Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the NFL USA Today NFL Wire site that covers the Arizona Cardinals. In episode 493, this is our one bi week edition with Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinal sites, and one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. We have in this episode, we're talking about the Cardinals' win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. But like I said, this will be our, our one show this week. We've got no games to preview, and so we will, we will be on by like the team, come back do a normal what would be a normally be a review show but we'll do a couple other post buy type things and then go back into the preview segment i'm sure uh, we'll seth and i will do our preview show about the 49ers i'm sure i can probably get kyle madsen back on uh for a third time this year to talk cardinals 49ers but what we do get to talk about shock the world the cardinals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to 10 on the road their first road win it's like, I, I I've written this probably like you know, five different stories because it's it's a cool thing so it's their first road win of the season it's their first road win since week 10 of last season it was their first win over the Steelers since 2007 and it was their first win in Pittsburgh since 19 19- 1969 now Seth's a young Seth is with despite his millions of kids is pretty young. I'm much older, and I know 1969 even predates me by by nearly 10 years. So, in neither in my lifetime, the Cardinals had never won in Pittsburgh. So we actually saw something pretty historic, and that that that's what we're here to talk about. So, what I wanted to ask first, Seth, is this: Did the win say more about the Cardinals or more about the Steelers? Yeah, I mean, it did, right? <laughs> it's it, it's one of those situations where I don't know what the answer is just because we knew the warts of the Steelers, right? You and I previewed the show last Thursday. Um, we we wondered aloud how that team was 7 and 4. We were curious what they could do. And you brought up a great point off the air. Uh, the reality is that the way that they win is unsustainable. And what we mean by that is they're a very, very good team at forcing turnovers and keeping the opponents from scoring, which is, you know, a very key aspect of winning football games. However, they're not 
They have not been good offensively for most of the year. Um, and defensively, they're not the Steelers you're used to. They're they're middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack in terms of yardage allowed. Uh, they are middle of the pack against the run. And those things are not very Steelerish, or or what we have known the Steelers to be, um, you know, especially under Mike Tomlin. And so their their points per game or points against was kind of fluky, right? Like they do a good job in the red zone. They're not bad in the red zone by any means, but they they don't really stop teams really well between the twenties and they live and die by the turnover. And we highlighted it before the game. Um, you know, their, their losses this season have really been when they don't force turnovers because defensively that's kind of how they live. And, and when you live and die by the sword or in this case, turnovers, and you don't force any, which is kind of amazing in the in the uh, weather, right? That yeah. the Cardinals ended up and ended up playing in. Well, when you don't the, force any turnovers, yeah. you even even against what many consider a, a bad Arizona Cardinals team, it's hard to win a football game. Yeah, it's it's absolutely the case, and and there were there were some misfortune by the Steelers uh, on on their side of the ball as well, because you know they'd been relatively healthy. Uh, they didn't have Montrevious Adams, but he hadn't played in a few weeks. They got Minka Fitzpatrick back, but they, you know, they lost Kenny Pickett. They lost their left guard Isaac Siamalu. They T.J. Watt was injured for much of the second half. He he came on and off the field, but he was not nearly as impactful as he could have been. Uh, Landon Roberts got hurt, and so they they suffered a an injury in the game to their starting cornerback quarterback to their top pass rusher their best defensive player their defensive play signal caller in a landon roberts and one of their starting offensive linemen and so well and it was interesting i was listening to uh, a podcast and, and the guy just happens to be a steelers fan it wasn't a steelers based podcast and he was talking about you know one of the things that has impressed him with jonathan gannon is that the guys play hard. Uh, obviously, we had some some questions about that last Against week. Against the Rams. So the, the, so the idea, the like I, I think we can now say, they weren't tanking. <laughs> they weren't tanking. Yeah, so it, They just played really yes. bad. But, but you look at it, and he was highlighting the fact that this game really swung not on the picket injury, but on the Landon Roberts injury. And as soon as that happened, the Cardinals – whether it's Annan, Drew Petzing, but they started being able to run the ball, but they just ate the Steelers alive over the middle of the field with with Trey McBride. And you saw that come out all of a sudden. And and Landon Roberts left and they they were able to go down and score right before the half. And you know, that seemed like such a an important point of the game because obviously, you know, it gave the Cardinals the the ten to three lead at the half and then, you know, there were a couple, you know, questionable calls and, and, you know, for them to come back and, and get the ball or get the touchdown to McBride and, and win in that way or get, you know, ahead in that way. It was a huge, huge deal. Right. And then 
um, they come out and, you know, they've got, they've got some issues right off the gate and you, you do get worried, right? Again, you're like, oh, here comes that second half lull. And, yeah. and you looked at it and, you know, you had the, you had the pass by, by Murray that was knocked down by Watt. And then, then you gain six yards and you're like, okay, just run the ball again. And they throw the ball and it, it was one of the more frustrating plays of the game because Kyler Murray literally hit Marquise Brown in the hand. Oh, jeez! And it didn't get caught. And you're like, okay. <clears throat> and you know the Steelers come back out and they've already missed a field goal in the game, and and the weather's awful. I mean, we there's no doubt about it, right? Like the weather was a huge, huge factor in the game. But the Cardinals had to play in it just as much as the. the as the Steelers did, and and you know they obviously Pickett's out at this time, and they they go for it on fourth and or uh, they sorry they're they're driving and they're not really doing anything right, and and Trubisky drops the snap, Mason Cole strikes again right, but this time <laughs> That's on a right. different team, Dante Stills recovers it, and the Cardinals have the ball at the Pittsburgh twenty-one, and and it was almost easy uh and and you saw them kind of again take advantage and and well that's that's the thing they took advantage so what we saw earlier in the year uh, in a couple of games where they got takeaways and then they couldn't do anything with them because they struggled offensively on the turnover on downs and on the turnover turnover they turned those into two touchdowns and that the game away that put the game away because yeah. they went from being and, it was a three game, they were up ten three, and then after that turnover when they had the the twenty one yard you know the twenty one yard drive seventeen three, and after that like even even against a Cardinals defense when when you have Mitch Trubisky playing quarterback for the Steelers on an offense that already is not good felt really good after that because you know even with the Cardinals you know defensively the, the Steelers kind of went down the field and 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 that was kind of easy um because their offense is so muddled the Cardinals didn't they like this with the the Rams game that's where things steamrolled is because they got they didn't get one stop and then they couldn't get another stop, and then it was an, they scored again. The Steelers don't have that type of uh, of offense, and so even with early missteps offensively, they were able to find their stride and then got better and better. And my favorite thing, my favorite thing, was, and it probably was simply because of game situation, is that they were able to, and Petsing relied on James Conner. They, they kept going him, and it wasn't until the fourth, like, he had a very inefficient game until the fourth quarter yeah and and there were some missed opportunities uh you know we had uh we had a deep ball early in the game from kyler to rondell moore that was just a flat out drop yeah. and then and then late in the fourth not late in the fourth in the fourth quarter you had a, a touchdown that was nullified on a a very terrible oh my gosh that yeah. holding call. Okay, like if you like Diego, my son came back. You know, showed it to me a few times. So you could you could see, yeah, yeah. It was it was by definition a hold, but it happened nowhere near where Kyler was. So now one right. stupid off- offensive lineman. You you the guy you were blocking was nowhere. 
anywhere near the play. So why? But oh, and then we have to say we have to say this as, as much as we liked Patrick Peterson during his time here. It's really easy to root against him as a Cardinals fan because of how he has talked about the Cardinals and the way he talks himself up. Oh, two different things. So the that play when Connor literally stiff arms him like a rag doll out of bounds on one run and to have Roundell Moore totally beat him uh, in the end zone for the non-touchdown was good to see from a Cardinals fan. Yeah. We'd love to, we 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 want to see Patrick eventually in the league in the ring of honor and all that fun stuff. But in the meantime, since he apparently has a bone to pick with the organization, still, <laughs> hey Pat, I know you're not right. listening to this show, but how'd that feel? How'd that feel? Get it tossed by James Conner, right? And you know, it's just one of those situations where they did a they did a great job. You know, taking advantage of those, like you said, those those mistakes um, by the Steelers, they didn't make any mistakes, and it was interesting because some of the biggest mistakes were by like their biggest players. I mean, Miles Killebrew is just a, a special teams ace, but like he's a very very good special teams player, and he had three major penalties for uh for the Steelers and like it's it's crazy to think that a guy like that who's been so good in Pittsburgh as a special teams guy could negatively impact the game for the Steelers cuz he's a he's a guy that you know is truly one of the better special teams guys in the NFL and he was I mean three penalties but his last one setting up the final touchdown drive you know where uh they're backed up at the nine. Presley Harvin gets off a decent punt. Greg Dorch only gets a seven-yard return, but a 15-yard penalty takes it. So instead of being at the 48, the the Cardinals get the ball at the 33. So, I mean, two of their scoring drives totaled 54 yards. But, again, you can't, you can't do anything about that. Like, no. you – as as the team that's typically giving the other team a short field, it was great to see them take advantage of it and, you know, to come back. And then I thought, you know, one of the most impressive drives of the game was they got, they got the ball back with 425 and they had to end things and, and they just leaned on James Conner and yes, he, he that was so sure as hell ended. That them. was fantastic. It was, you know, some interesting, facts is that the Cardinals on the road previous to their game in Pittsburgh had not scored more than 16 points in any road game. You know, they did that twice. They did that in Washington. They did that in San Francisco. And they had averaged 11.2 points a game on the road. They scored 24. And they did it by not reaching 300 yards. So the, the, the offensive numbers for the Cardinals ended up like if you're looking at defensive stats for the Steelers, we're absolutely backwards because the Steelers are a team that give up yards and not points. The Cardinals only average four and a half yards per play, 282 total yards. The Steelers, as bad as they were, outgained them 317 to 282. It reminded me, you know, statistically, when the Cardinals gave up, what, 270-something yards to the Baltimore Ravens and they still scored 31 points. This was one of those type of games because their offense, it, it, 
really came down to the one drive. It was the 99-yard drive that was the difference maker because every other drive was it was hard. <laughs> every other drive was hard um, for them. And that 99-yard drive, being efficient on third down, getting the points right before the half was so – it was so impressive. Um, but if you look at the numbers up, James Conner had a good game. Trey McBride, we're going to talk about them in just a minute specifically. Kyler's passing numbers didn't look good. He only had 13 completions, and 11 of them went to tight ends. <laughs> and so the they had the, – the, the receivers combined – for two catches for 25 yards. Dorch had a 19-yarder. Rondell Moore had a six-yarder. Now, granted, the the touchdown throw would have made things look look nicer if had had they O'Donnell not gotten called for the hold. You you look on the defensive side of the ball; they didn't get any sacks. Um, that's the second week in a row, no sacks, and so the the pressure that they were. Oh, and we you, you know analytically, you talked about it. They're terrible at getting pressure, but they were good at getting sacks. They're not doing that even anymore. They did put their hands on right. four passes. Yeah, and they, they did hit uh, the quarterbacks five times. But they are, like, the the pressure, that with the sack numbers they were doing without general pressure, yeah, they still don't, they didn't get pressure, and that's going to be tough. Like, that's that's not sustainable, especially with the teams you got coming up on the schedule. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do that against the Eagles or the 49ers and find any sort of success now. Maybe against the Bears and maybe against the Seahawks. Maybe by, you know, week 18. We'll see about that. But, you know, they were great on third down, 10 of 17, which was uncharacteristic of this team. Uh, they were they held Pittsburgh to under 40% on third down, but and... And there were they just played pretty well. They did played well enough on all three on all in all three phases, um, which was really nice to see. Uh, which it was, it does the the win didn't make any sense, just like the win over the Cowboys. So this is again so their two best games, like their two most dominant games, came against teams going into the which would had top five defenses in the NFL this year. That makes absolutely no sense at all, does it? No, it doesn't, but that's the NFL for you, man. I mean, there's a lot of games that just don't make a lot of sense, and, <laughs> and we saw those unfold in front of us. But, you know, it's interesting because the one thing that I've kind of paid attention to is that the Cardinals, they're only averaging uh, a little over one point more a game with with Kyler back in the fold, and I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that uh, has to do with the fact that you know they just don't have a ton of talent on offense, but they're averaging four less points per game allowed. And even after the the debacle of LA, that's really impressive. Yeah. And and it kind of speaks to their ability, you know, to control the game a little bit more. You know, uh, I, and, when it comes down. You know what it comes down to? It's protected the football. Um, the, right. the, the Cardinals released some of the facts, but it, this is the kind of the money stat. Now, Kyler hasn't been – we're going to talk about Kyler, but say what you will about Kyler and how he's looked in the passing game. The Cardinals, you know, they had lost six straight before the before Kyler came back. But in their previous five games before Kyler came back, they turned the ball over ten times. Since Kyler's been back, in four games they've only turned it over twice, and they're a plus three. 
history in those four games. If there's any, if there's anything that you look at that, you can wonder. You, there's no reason. There, they, you can look at that and say that's the biggest reason why they are two and two since Kyler's return. Because Kyler, even though he's thrown two interceptions, and, and they were a little bit fortunate because they they did have the the two fumbles that they were covered of their own. I I will say this. Why, why was that one fumble called a fumble when Kyler clearly tossed it forward? Right. I don't understand that. And did I miss something? Because when he was going down, he 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 didn't just lose the ball. He said, "Okay, I'm gonna flip this forward." That's an incomplete pass. Then you know, no, Rondell Moore missed the. You know, he dropped a handoff, and so there were a couple of times of fortunate, but they. They only have two turnovers in four games, and they had 10 in the previous five. Kyler's thrown 91 straight passes without an interception. And so, and, and b- before last season, that was one thing that Kyler was really, really, really good at, was protecting the football. Um, he gets a few passes knocked down, but his interception, like his interception percentage is one of the lowest in, in team history. And so, if anything else, and this would make sense, if you're not giving the ball away, you're not putting the defense in a bad position, which then makes it so that it's not going to be as easy for them to give up points. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, they now are two and two since Kyler's returned. They, they, they're only averaging one. But but you look at it, they've got a 25 point game, they've got a 24 point game, and then they've got a couple of stinkers. Um, but more importantly, they they. And they pop the top off the road stuff, and so you've got two, four games left, and we'll talk about that. But I, I love, I love the direction. I love the direction, and we were worried after the Rams game because you know the game plans, kind of the decisions. Like that looked like a team that was tanking. This was not a team that was tanking. This is a team that was, that was being physical and out physical the team that's known for being physical. Right, and that's just you know what we had hoped and expected to see from this team and you know you can see the vision and and you add a little bit more talent to some places and you'll see the offense start to click a little more and the defense be able to control games but right now they you know they just haven't been able to do so and and on a consistent basis but you know twice this season they've been able to do it and, and once this season they've they've made you know, they were carried by, by Kyler to, to win a game. And so, you know, those things, not not too bad, right? Yeah, it's not bad. Come, not not with the talent on the roster, at least. Jeez, absolutely. Coming in next on the Rise of Sierra podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk. Let's move on and talk about the two stars. The two stars of the game, James Conner and Trey McBride. What did we love about that game? That's coming in next on Rise of Seward. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. James Conner, 25 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns, average 4.2 yards per carry. I think makes it 11 straight games where he's got he's had an average of, of of four yards or more. He's averaging just under five yards a carry this season. He's got, I think, one fewer, like he's like second or third in the NFL in runs of 20 yards or more. So he's conti- like he's continuing what he was doing in terms of his effectiveness and his and his efficiency as a runner. And his explosiveness the last two years, like he 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 got all the news and all the love in 2021 because of his touchdowns. Okay, that was all fantasy love. He was a much better. He's been a much better running back the last two seasons, and it and it shows. Um, 
I, I think of James Conner as this. You know, he's not an elite back. He's not a Derrick Henry. He's not a, he's not a Nick Chubb. He's not the, those guys at the very top, not a Jonathan Taylor. But he is just a, just a little bit below them. He would get so much more love that he could stay healthy. Because his, the impact he has on the Cardinals is nearly as impactful as you see the best backs in the NFL on their teams, right? And, and whether that's that's more of an indictment on the talent on the team, but that the type of player that he is, he impacts that so much. And yeah, it, it's to see him do that, and they needed it. They needed everything. It was a grind out performance until the sec, until the final half of the final quarter, and then he took over that game. Yeah, and it was a good. It was a good second half performance, and and like you said, the grinded out style, the way that he was able to to push things, and you know, you look at it, <clears throat> you know, he's he's on pace to to have the most yards in his Arizona Cardinals career. He has a chance to set the mark for the most yards in his career. Um, I don't know if he'll get there. He needs 343 yards to break what was his career high of 973. And against the 49ers and the and the Eagles, it's going to yeah, be hard to be, run the ball that could, much. <laughs> could be tough, but he has a chance. I mean, he, I mean, you look at it, 343 the last three games is not – or four games is not out of the question. And it'll be in, you know, three less games because he only played nine. The crazy thing is, though, he's so much more efficient this year. 4.9 yards per carry, the most he's ever averaged in his career. Um, you know, his his receiving stuff is way, way down this season. There's but a I reason think, for that. They don't play him in receiving on passing downs. Yeah, and I think it's helped him as a runner. And it's interesting because it just takes that one less thing. It, it's a very interesting way that, and very traditional, because it didn't feel like over the last few years is that they didn't have a third down. The Cardinals most certainly have a third down back. That's Amari Mercado. Um, he got hurt again, so Michael Carter filled that role. And guess what? Michael Carter is a—he's really good in that role. You know, if he gets if he gets a few more, a little more playing time in the system, I think he's going to be. And that—that's one of the more exciting things. That's an, that's for another show. Um, that's one of the positives coming into this offseason because you got Carter under contract for another year, which means, you know, you got Connor and Carter and assuming that, you know, you, you like kind of what the running back room is. But Connor's just been it, – it's hard to believe that a guy that doesn't have the the volume numbers of a running back and he's got a couple of Pro Bowls – He's certain, like he's he's a great NFL player. Um, he gets all sorts of love. He's super respected, but but for a guy that does not have a thousand yard season in his career, he gets the respect from his teammates and from opponents and opposing coaches as if he were a premier back in the league. And it's like he's just. He is just a hair. He's just below the premier backs in the league that could be 
Like it's it's a case where yeah you you could see where this guy could bust off for fourteen hundred yards, but you know his body's you know it's just of all those things that game against Cincinnati he's having one of the best games of his of his Cardinals career. You know he's he's upended him goes for leaping over a player gets a little upended he has an injury and he misses four weeks that's that's just stupid <laughs> we 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 should have had another month of James Conner yeah and he'd probably already be at his career high for yardage right yeah probably and and here with how efficient he's been and then then you talk about Trey McBride I like what happened what <laughs> how did it happen that Trey McBride suddenly is one of the most promising young tight ends in the NFL. I mean, I just think it's one of those situations where it takes tight ends a while. Um, you know, I think Kyle Pitts was the last like rookie tight end to put up big numbers, but it, it, it typically takes tight ends a while. And I'm, I'm kind of going through right now the the numbers. Unless that you're TJ Hawkinson in your NFL debut against the Cardinals. Right, but I mean, even Hawkinson that year <laughs> no, didn't it, have that was that was his that was a breakout game that he didn't break out the rest of the season. Right, and it's, so it's it's you know interesting to look at you know this season or sorry last season, uh, you know Hawk or sorry McBride's number one. You know you look at this season, Sam Laporta is probably the best tight end we've seen in a long, long time. I mean, he's putting up numbers that are, are actually better than McBride's, but you know, it, it was, it, it's usually a season or two until a tight end comes to fruition. I mean, you look at Kyle Pitts, even like I said, that first year was such an anomaly. He was a pro bowler uh, over a thousand yards and he's got, he's got barely over 800 yards combined in his next two seasons. Right. And like, that's just kind of how the tight end position works for those guys. I mean, you look at like the Steelers have a good tight end, right? Pat Fryermuth, he's a, he's a good ball player. Um, he he had 497 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, to be fair, he's playing with Kenny Pickett, who's probably not good, and in the uh, Matt Canada offense until last week. <laughs> yeah, and so like we have to we have to take those things with a grain of salt. But he's been good. I mean, but McBride's breakout has been really fun to watch and and you look at you look at McBride and Brown and Wilson and none of their numbers are eye popping by any means but you look at what they have done separately and you kind of look at what they could potentially do together if you were able to get like a a big alpha out there with them yeah. and it would just really create a dynamic offensive set and and so you just look at that and you go okay let's see let's see how that looks but you know until until everybody's healthy until everybody kind of and until everybody can play at full speed i think you're going to continue to see it be the trey mcbride show with a little elijah higgins and jeff swain mixed in there yeah and it's interesting he was a mess last year as a rookie, even late in the year when he was filling in for Zach Ertz after he tore his ACL. Even there, there, there were flashes, but and it feels like that the team finally found that they they could trust him. They could trust him in the past game. And and you and I were talking this before the show. When he came out of college, 
I think everyone pegged him as being able to be a productive pass catcher in the league, right? Isn't that how it felt? That's what he Yeah, did. yeah. But the Cardinals, as a rookie, kept banging the drum that, you know, he wasn't so much a Zach Ertz as he was a Max Williams. And Max Williams, while he has receiving talent, was never a productive receiver, that he was more of a two-way. And, and, and in fairness, McBride is a willing blocker. He's just made mistakes over the first two years of his career. But it feels like, as, as a rookie, they were, whether it was simply because they had Zach Ertz that they wanted to feature, that they were trying to put him in a role that didn't suit him. And now that Ertz got hurt and subsequently was was released because McBride emerged and, and Ertz was like, hey, just, you know, if you're going to bench me, let me play for a good team. But And then McBride is finally in that role. Like, okay, you are our top tight end so you are going to do some blocking and you are going to we're going to target you in the passing game and it's just been you know he already already in in 13 games he has tied the franchise record the season single season record for receptions by attendant with 56 so every catch that he makes between now and the end of the season over the final four games will set a new record um he has over 600 yards which is, um, <laughs> there's only one, he's got 610 receiving yards. There's only been one tight end in franchise history that has had a season, any season of more than what Trey McBride has. And that was Jackie Smith, who's in the Hall of Fame. He has six seasons that have more than McBride, but nobody else, nobody else. Um, he is number seven with one through six ball being Jackie Smith. You know, over the last four games, you look at what he's done over the last few weeks, and you think eight or nine hundred yards is well. Even if he gets two hundred one yards more between now and so, you know, averaging seventy-five, actually averaging just over fifty a game, he will have the second most receiving yards by a tight end in franchise history. The only one to do it better would be Jackie Smith's in 1967 when he had uh, 1,200 yards, 1,205. And that was the year that Jackie Smith also caught the 56 passes. So McBride is, is it's it's fun. Uh, you know, you remember all the tight ends, whether it was Rob Hausler or Troy Nicholas, well, I think, or <laughs> Ricky Seals-Jones or any number of the other, uh, Dan Arnold, the Cardinals haven't had a good tight end. They had a they had Rob, a Rob Hausler, <laughs> Freddie Jones. Freddie Jones was the closest thing, but he wasn't like a homegrown one. They signed him in free agency. They haven't had a, an impact tight end since since Jay Novacek. Um, and most of y'all probably aren't old enough to remember who Jay Novacek is. I don't think Seth's old enough to remember Jay Novacek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember him for the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he started with the Cardinals. And he was pretty good for the Cardinals, and and yeah. So it, it appears, knock on wood, that he stays healthy. I think the Cardinals have just found their tight end. Whether like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's gonna be a premier tight end in this league, but like they found their guy. Like he is to the Cardinals in terms of role, and and like the, he's being here. 
He's the Greg Kittle, like Greg, not Greg, George Kittle, Greg Kittle's baseball from the 80s. Sorry, guys. Gre- Greg Olson. Greg Olson, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, those guys. And I'm not saying he's going to reach that level, or Zach Ertz when he was with the Eagles. It, he's not even necessarily have to reach, but you know, you know that you know who the Cardinals' tight end is, and he's a legitimate receiving threat. Yeah, and you look at it, you know, I was just going back. He's on pace for a similar second season to what Hawkinson had, right? Like, that's a that's a huge deal. I don't think people realize that. Uh, you know, Hawk had, you, you know, you joked about it, six catches for 131 yards against the Cardinals in the first game of the season, and he finished with 32 receptions for 367 yards on the season. So that's not taking out the Cardinals game. That's just what he had for the rest of the season. But his second season, 67 for 723 and six touchdowns. Outside of the touchdowns, maybe, Urch, or sorry, McBride should surpass all of those, right? So, So you're looking at it, you're talking about one of the gold standards of tight ends in the NFL, he's on pace to do something similar to that. Now, you know, I think expecting him to ever be in the realm of a guy like a, like a Travis Kelsey or, or a, uh, that ilk might be too high. And he probably won't even have a season because it just doesn't happen very often like a like a Mark Andrews had what in 2021 where he had almost 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns but like if he's consistently in the 7 to 900 oh, yard that's and fantastic and 9 you know 8 to 10 touchdowns you're talking about a premier tight end that you're going to be able to also pay like and that's the the thing that we always talk about, right? Like, can these guys get to a second contract? And, and obviously, it's super early. It's just season two. But, I mean, he's on pace for that. And, and you know, you go back, and, and like I said, 2018, you have Mark Andrews and Dallas uh, Goddard. You know, he's, he's on pace for similar to that, like those two guys. Um, you know, 2019 – You've got Hawkinson. I already, you know, laid that out. He, you know, he's he's ahead of even like a, a Noah Fant, who was a first round pick, right? Like he's ahead of what Fant was doing, um, in in Denver. Now again, you can you can look at the team and and kind of judge on that, but uh, you know, and, and he's ahead of Cole Komet, who was the top tight end in, in twenty twenty. Uh, you know, twenty twenty one. You've got a really uh, you've got a really bad class or, or a guy that hasn't worked out as well as you'd hope in Kyle Pitts. And then 22 McBride's, you know, kind of, kind of headlining the tight end crew. And, and there's not a bad group there with uh, Kate Otten and, and Jake Ferguson playing well, but, but McBride's number one on that list right now in terms of yardage. And so you look at it. Yeah. Okay maybe he doesn't end up being you know Travis Kelsey or or doesn't get to the heights of a George Kittle but if if you're talking about a guy that can have a similar you know and maybe he doesn't get as as big as what uh you know the the best years of a guy like TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews but he's in that conversation year in and year out I think you you've got to be super excited about what he what he provides and what he'll be Jason as a Witten. player. Jason, Witten, yeah, 
I, I, I like the now maybe not for the length right, of time. Right. Because, and Whitney even know, had was... four thousand yard seasons, but but for he had one two like if we're taking the the thousand CR seasons, he had one two three four five six seven eight eight seasons where he had seven in the seven to nine hundred range. And that's what you're looking for. I mean, that, if that's what you get from a guy, you are one hundred percent. Like that's a huge win. Like that's, you know, if, if he doesn't reach the apex of, you know, being a, a all pro, there's nothing wrong with that. But if he's a pro bowl level tight end, like that's a huge, sometimes huge pro win. bowler would be ideal. Like, right. Right. It, it, you know, with some of the tight ends that there are in the NFL, it's hard to crack that. But if he can be a sometimes pro bowler, you know, you've got like, how many tight ends the Cardinals have had in the Pro Bowl? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, not a single one in my lifetime. <laughs> right, and that's and that's just what it is, man. I mean, you just look at it. They've got they've got some opportunities. They have some pieces that you have to be excited about. Yeah, and that's that's just the big thing. Um, you yeah. know, you just you just hope that they're able. With what what uh, Monty Austin Fort did in his first season as the GM, you are hopeful that it's going to continue on the upward trend. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk a little bit about Kyler Murray's play specifically, even though it was not a statistically good game. That's coming up next on Rise Up Series. We're back on the Rise of Secret Podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Uh, Kyler Murray and his play. Statistically, if you looked at the line, you're like, eh. And honestly, if you look at his four games, there's not a game that you're high, you're super impressed with. He completed 13 of 23 passes, not particularly good on the completion percentage, 145 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers. He had nine carries for, for 20 yards, granted three of those. So if you take away the kneel downs, he had six carries for 23 yards. He didn't have a rushing touchdown passer rating, just a tick under 90 at 89.9, so nothing special. I will say this. I saw in that game, so Houston, so I, I loved what he did against Atlanta. I loved it. I thought that was that was full Chiron display. In Houston, he had some bad throws, as in what happened with that throw. <laughs> Against the Rams, it was not what happens. Like, why are you throwing that ball? The, I, we questioned his decision-making. It looked He looked not good last week. Against the Steelers, you know, I, I know that it, it was a little bit off the beginning, but you look at the overall performance, ignore the statistics, if you watch what you saw on the field, what you saw was a quarterback that was making plays. I didn't see I didn't see bad throws, and I didn't see bad decision throws either. And so he kind of put it all together, and he was partially a victim of circumstance. You know, Rondell drops the one. I, I'm 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 some like yes, that's a play you should make. Absolutely, it hit him right in the hands. At the same time, that that was that still is a tough play to make because he, he did get his feet tangled up and he was falling to the ground when it happened. Should a, should a second-round receiver make that catch? Yes. They had the, the, the deep throw to, to Rondell, which should have been a touchdown, nullified. And so you, you put those two, or even one of those two um, completions, um, 
back on the books with the yards, you have a much more impressive uh, game in the passing game. I was thoroughly impressed with the way Kyler played. I thought that he made good decisions with his throws. He threw some absolute dots down the field. And there, like, it was, I, even though his numbers were bad, I was really happy with the way Kyler played. In, in in tough circumstances because he's not one who likes to play in adverse conditions when it comes to like wet and rain and stuff like that. Yeah, and I thought this was one of the, you know, this is a grinded out game and you get those you know as as things go. Um and and you know, that's that's what's always interesting to me is how how people respond um uh, to to these things because you look at it right and it's like it's like you go through the wins and the losses and things like that and you say you know would you rather have a game you know we went back a couple weeks and and, you know going back and, and you say hey would you rather have him go 13 for 27 for 199 yards two touchdowns and an interception in a win or would you rather him go you know uh, twenty twenty six for thirty six for three hundred and four yards and two touchdowns and a loss, and and people will be like, well, obviously the win. It's like, then why do you criticize how the win got there? Because at the end of the day, it is about the wins. Now, you know, we we talked about the the Rams game, and a lot of that was on his shoulders. A lot of that was, you know, he he wasn't making the plays that he needed to make. And so, like, if you're going to grind that, then you have to look at what he was able to do this week and say, hey, this was a good game. You know, he it wasn't pretty by any oh, means. But, and then you look at some of it's like we've seen some underwhelming games and that had, like, you know, the, the yards per attempt in the low fours. This was a very... It was a very respectable 6.3 yards per time. That's nothing good, but it wasn't bad. And so his passing numbers were not inefficient. His completion percentage was lower than its average, but he took care of the ball. He had a couple of drops. And this is considering, you know, again, 11 of his 13 pass completions went to tight ends. You're, right. you're and I think a lot to, of that <laughs> you're not going to get good production in the pass game if your wide receivers only catch two passes. Right. And I think a lot of that is he just doesn't trust the wide receivers right now. Nope. <laughs> good reason and, why. Good reason why. Right. Good reason why. But I, I, but, I really but, liked but, I just I really liked the performance. I wish you know uh, in in the five years we've watched Kyler Murray, we keep expecting to see a version of Kyler that's like the 5,000-yard combined passing and rushing. We haven't quite gotten that because he has he has a lot of games that he impacts in other ways without being super productive as a passer, as a volume passer. And I wish he would do volume passing numbers as well because then it would kind of close the mouths of the people who look at him and say he's not a good quarterback. I'm like, how can you look at him and think he's not a good quarterback? Because we've seen bad quarterback play. We've seen bad quarterback play this year where the player's best isn't even this good. 
Right. And that's, and that's just what you have to look at. And, you know, it's always interesting to me because that's kind of how things go, right? You have people want all of it. They want the high level of, of statistics. They, they want, want the Patrick Mahomes passing numbers with the Lamar Jackson rushing numbers. Right. And, and but they also want the wins. And then you look at it and, and you know, the biggest one was the two weeks that, uh, you know, Josh Jobs went and, and had, you know, good games for the Minnesota Vikings and won games. And, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, look, what were they thinking? And then, and then now he throws four interceptions. <laughs> right. Well, and then they lose two games in a row. He, he throws two touchdowns to five interceptions and they're like, Hey, we're probably going to go with this guy at quarterback and not Dobbs who we just traded for because he's that bad. And, and that's just, I mean, it's just the ebbs and flows of the game, but a lot of times a guy is who he shows you and, and they can have positive games, but uh, I, I thought I, or I think I shouldn't say I thought, I think that it's the, it's the steadiness of what we've seen that I think you have to, appreciate kyler and you know yes you would love to see a little bit more but again it's it's been seven weeks total in the system and he's got this team at two and two in that time like that's at the end of the day that's what it is And, and if he's the thing that's holding you back from being really good um that i have no problem with with looking at it and going hey they need to move on but at the same time, he's doubled your win total in in half the amount of games. Like, so to say that, because remember, every week we were jokingly saying, oh, well, this will be a get-right game for this team. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and now it's like, oh, well, apparently with Kyler, it's not a guaranteed get-right because – he can keep this team in a game and make plays. Yeah, it, it's it's good to see. I, I want, I desperately want him to have a, a big passing game. We haven't seen a week we because, well, you and I. We want I mean, it's not going to against the 49ers. Um, right, I was going to say, that that's the biggest thing is you're going to have to wait another week. <laughs> <laughs> or two, I guess two weeks technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got, you've got San Francisco, you've got Chicago. Then you've got Philadelphia, and then you've got the Eagles. I'm sorry. Then you've got the Seahawks to end the season. But that's that's a that's a topic for another show. Coming to next on the rest of the year podcast, best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We're back to this. Should the Cardinals be winning games? Was that win good for them? Is that's coming to next on the rest of the red. We're back on the rest of the red podcast, best of our Cardinals talk on the web. The Cardinals improved to three and ten on the season. They now are number three in the NFL draft order. I have been on the record with you you try to win. You you don't actively tank. And I know that st- like there's some I think it's more when you need a quarterback, but obviously draft status matters. Is the loss like how many wins is too many wins, do you think? Well so I was going through it and I, I was going to get your opinion on this. The worst thing that can happen is that the Cardinals finish with four wins. 
And what I mean by that is I don't actually think that's a bad thing because, like you said, winning games, and if you go three and five with Kyler Murray with this team, you look at it and you go, hey, that's, you know, that's not bad. But that could end up putting you at the eighth pick in the draft. Now, I haven't gone through every team's schedule. So just everybody understand that caveat because <laughs> I don't know if these teams still play each other. Because Carolina is terrible but, and but, the yeah, Patriots are terrible, terrible. I think they're tanking. It like, must be. I, I feel like Belichick is that good that he's like, hey, look, we've given up. I mean, did you see that crazy statistic? Like they gave up a stupid low number of points and they won zero games in November. <laughs> they like, lost was, six to zero. Right. And it's like, is is this guy doing this on purpose? Because he's crazy enough to do it on purpose if we're being completely honest. Um, but so you look at who's below them. Washington. I don't know if Washington's winning another game. Um, Chicago, obviously, that's a big head-to-head between the Cardinals and Bears. The Jets, the Giants, and the Titans. Don't know if any of those teams are winning a game. If the Cardinals beat the Bears, and again, I have not fact-checked this, so you know, take this for what it's worth. If the Cardinals beat the Bears, and those all those teams lose out, which is one hundred percent possible, unless they somehow play each other, and I the Cardinals' strength of schedule is way too good. They're going to pick eighth, so they're the beating the Bears literally could mean the difference between the Cardinals picking third and eighth. And I know when we're all talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. That's tough because I think it, I think it, there I think there are so many fans that are dead set on Harrison, and um, he's now, now here. Here's what I'll say about that, and I agree. I think he's the cat's meow. I think he's the best player in the draft, hands down. Better than Caleb Williams. Better than Drake May. I think he's the best player in the draft. He's the closest thing to Megatron that we've seen coming out of college in forever. Like, he's a a phenom. The nice thing about it is there's two other guys in Malik Neighbors and Keon Coleman that are very good football players. Now, they may not be Marvin Harrison Jr. level, uh, but Neighbors and Coleman are both alpha receivers bigger guys that fit exactly what the Cardinals need um, opposite of what they have if they even if they decide to retain um, Hollywood Brown uh, they're they're big X receivers that can get open that have some juice or have a lot of juice and make plays with the ball in their hands uh, obviously in, Marvin Harrison and Keon Coleman are different size than Malik neighbors, but neighbors is more than adequate size wise. Uh, you know, he's, he's built like Justin Jefferson and, and, and Jamar chase and not saying he will be of that level of play, but you know, he's six foot, 205 pounds. He's, he's plenty big. The difference is you have Marvin Harrison jr. Who's I think what six, three, um, and Keon Coleman, who's 6'4", and then they're also, you know, 
incredible talent. Well, yeah, it's, it's Harrison. <laughs> well, you've got the size, you've got the athleticism, and then you've got the bloodlines because you, my goodness, my goodness. Right. And so, and <laughs> because, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know how many of you who listen remember seeing Marvin Harrison, and, and I think he's a different mentality, but Marvin Harrison was also one of the scariest dudes on the football field. Yeah. And, and so you just look at it, it's, you know, it will stink to see that, that happen, to see that drop happen. But if they want him badly enough, they have a second first round pick in that round. Right. They can 100, like if they think, which he is, he is that much of a game changer, then you can go get him. But I don't think, I don't think the drop now, again, I'm not, taking away anything from Harrison. I truly do think he is the best player in this draft. But I think in most drafts, Malik Neighbors and Keon Coleman are legitimate top 10 picks. So it just happens that it's the year that there's a, a you know a true freak or a true generational talent, if you will. But Coleman could be a Mike Evans type of player um, and neighbors could be a guy like a Justin Jefferson level. And so those things, you know, I think have to weigh in on that where you're saying like, yeah, I would, everybody would love to get Marvin Harrison jr. But is Marvin Harrison jr. Worth losing that, you know, 18th pick where you could get a right tackle or an edge rusher or an interior defensive lineman. Again, best player in the draft by far, but I don't know if I would do that. So that's that's where I would be if if you're dead set on receiver. And, I mean, and we haven't even talked about some other guys like Romeo Dunze, who's a, a freak of nature out of Washington, um, and then the kid out of uh, the kid out of Texas, Adani Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, and then the kid out of South Carolina is a freaking bully uh xavier leggett like he's a he's the type of guy this team needs you know he's more of the anquan bolden type but i don't think anybody would complain about that right no and the guys this is why you should be listening to seth's podcast because that's how you'll know about these guys listen to this podcast and hopefully justin justin's been having some uh he's in law school right now so it's been a it's been a long last couple of weeks for him while he's getting through finals so hopefully we'll be picking back up here shortly and there's time uh, there's lots of time before the draft yeah. yeah so but yeah i mean i i i think you would agree with me you just look at it and you 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 know obviously the ideal thing is you get the best player in the draft i mean yeah. every, every year that's your goal um but i mean i thought will anderson was the best player in this last draft and i was fine with the trade down yeah you know would will anderson improve this oh, defense one thousand percent especially right now uh right. because he's he's now producing and it's right. that time of the year and he's getting to the quarterback and the and this is the time the cardinals are not getting to the quarterback at all right and so you look at it you know obviously you'd love to have a player of that ilk right now but at the end of the day like 
Paris Johnson Jr. looks like he's going to be a very good uh, right tackle or or offensive lineman in this league, and you've got guys that can that you can surround him with, and and now you've got two picks in a draft, so maybe you don't get uh you know a level of of Will Anderson, but you end up getting a guy you know like a Jared Verse, like a Chop Robinson, if you if you go that route. Um, you know, or a Braylon Trice or a JT Tuamolo. Like there, there are definitely upside and options available. And that is what excites you. Yeah. It may not be the best player in the draft. Like you could have had, if you would have went three and 14, but I don't think anybody's going to lament going three and five with your starting quarterback after going one and eight. And what, what was their actual record? One in, um, one in 13 without him the last two seasons. So like, so like, I mean, again, to Jess's point, you need to win games because at the end of the day, that is important. And that's what this franchise needs. And it's becoming more and more apparent that, that Kyler will be the guy in 2024. We've spelled out the reasons on this podcast enough times. You don't need us to do it again, but he'll be the guy in 2024. And you want, that feeling that they are going in the right direction with everybody involved. And I think that would be a big, big thing. And with that, we will end this edition of the rise up series podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. So 493 our bi week edition. We will come back next week after go be take more. The Cardinals got the week off. We're going to take the rest of the week off ourselves. We'll be back recording Tuesday night next week. Um, we won't have a game to talk about, but we'll have stuff to talk about for sure. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. See you guys again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.